0: I need to unmute. How's that? You can hear me? Great, thank you. Uh, Funny, I was asking people to mute themselves and I was muted, so it doesn't work so well. So good evening, everybody, welcome. I'm Eugene Cash. This is a Sunday evening meeting of San Francisco Insight we'll sit for a half an hour and then there'll be a talk and then discussion. Please uh, take a posture that's comfortable for you, where your back is as upright as possible as comfortable. And it's the same principle whether you're on a cushion or a bench or a chair. As much as possible, you want to be on your sits bones. So there's an uprightness that begins at the base of the spine, and goes all the way through the back of the neck. And if you're in a chair or on a couch, it's good to have both feet flat on the ground. Unless you're sitting cross legged while you're sitting on the couch. And then very gently put your body in alignment, front to back, right to left, just being as balanced as possible. And then to establish an embodied awareness let your let the awareness saturate your body meaning sense feel become aware of your body sitting here And as you sense or feel your body, be aware of whatever you experience as body. Sensing or feeling any part of the body, all of the body, the inside and the outside of the body, Sometimes the body feels very heavy, or light, or transparent. Sometimes we're aware of the temperature of the warm or cool, depending on where you may be. Or you may be aware of different sensations in the body, vibrating, tingling, pulsating. The places of contact where your rear end touches the chair, the cushion or the bench. Or where your hands may be touching your knees. Or one hand touching the other hand. You may be aware of the clothes touching your body as you sit here. Simply letting the awareness relax and saturate the experience of bodiness, body fullness. And of course, as we're aware of the body, we'll be aware of the movement of the body that's created by our life's breath. And it's very skillful to spend some time simply being mindful of the body breathing. And you don't have to do the breath. We just want to be aware of the body breathing. And you could be aware of a specific part of the body, the nostrils, the breath going in and out, or the chest or belly expanding, contracting. or you may be aware of the whole body as it breathes. And it's a good, very skillful way to get centered, to begin to collect one's consciousness by being aware of the body and the body breathing. It's the foundation, the first foundation of all the foundations of mindfulness. We begin with the bodyfulness of the body sitting here, breathing. And being very diligent to stay close to the body and the breath. Stay very intimate, very ordinary, very simple, very extraordinary experience of the body breathing. Each inspiration brings life to the body. Some people like to be mindful of the in-breath as this inspiration bringing life coming alive. And the out-breath is relaxing, letting go. And remembering we don't have to do anything to the breath. We just want to be present with the body as it breathes. an option you could stay with the body breathing for the whole meditation is a very skillful way to practice or if you feel composed or collected as you center yourself with the body and breath then you can open the space of awareness And simply be aware of whatever is predominant in your experience. From this place of collectivity, of being here, of being here and aware, you can be aware of how thoughts happen all on their own, or feelings happen all on their own, or sounds come and go, or smells come and go, or whatever sensations may arise in body, heart, and mind. Resting in the centeredness that we develop with the body and the breath, and simply being aware of whatever appears in the space of awareness not being enchanted by the thoughts or feelings or sounds but being aware of them watching how everything does itself and we can be aware of it as we begin to rest in the awareness itself And of course, at some point, if you're practicing with this more open field of awareness, you can be aware of the awareness itself. However you practice more open awareness or staying with the body and the breathing, it's very helpful to be relaxed to give yourself to the practice in a diligent and relaxed way simply being mindful moment by moment by moment all the experience is happening we're just learning how to be aware of it Whether it's the body and the breathing or the various phenomena that arises as we sit here being alive moment by moment. I just want to see if there's a few people here from the board that I saw. Wondering if any of you want to do the announcements. So you want I, I think I'm going to do the announcements if you're not going to. Nobody seems to be jumping up and waving their hand exactly. Okay. Uh, great. Okay. So announcements. Um, we have a new class starting in February investigating white identity. Uh, it's for people who identify as white and interest in exploring this. Uh, the question of white identity and racial suffering um, meets one, one time a month in big groups on Saturdays. And I believe it begins February 12th. And then uh, the Monday midday class, which meets tomorrow uh, from 12 to one, or on Mondays from 12 to one is not meeting tomorrow because it's a holiday. It's Martin Luther King day. So there's no class tomorrow. And, The other piece is to say a little bit about Donna, unless somebody else wants to say something about Donna. Does anybody want to say something about Donna? Anybody in the room been dying to give a Donna talk? Not dying, sorry. It's not a good way to say it. Excited and eager to give a Donna talk. Okay, I'll say a few things if nobody raises their hand. Uh, so Dana is the Pali word. It's translated as generosity. It's really the first teaching the Buddha would give to people who didn't, who were unfamiliar with the Dharma. He would teach them about generosity and the importance of generosity in our life. And one of the ways that thread has manifested for the last 2600 years is that the teachings are offered freely, meaning they're offered and people offer dana to support those who are giving the teaching. And so the monastic community and the lay teachers and lay communities have been supported by generosity for all this time. And of course, that's true for SFI, this class is, the Sunday evening class has never been, we've never charged for that. Um, And we're supported by your generosity. And uh, I think somebody will put uh, um, in the chat a way to make an offering, make a donation, basically is what Don is. That supports SFI and keeps it going. Some of that money goes to the teacher and supports the teachers, and then some goes to the organization. And we appreciate your generosity. You know, thank you for your generosity. It's it's really valued. And I'm gonna give a talk to... Uh, Uh, given that it's Martin Luther King Day tomorrow, I thought I would talk about Martin Luther King, who's one of the inspiring people that I'm aware of in this this history of this culture that we call the United States of America. And um, um, I also wanted to include Bill Hooks, who I'm also very inspired by, by. and, and mm-hmm. at some point um, the board at SFI is wanting me to give a class at some point point. and at one point I thought, oh, I should give a class about people who've inspired me and who inspire us both in terms of the Dharma and in terms of manifesting the Dharma in what we call, you know, daily life or our usual life. And so, and Martin Luther King is a little bit of a kind of a no-brainer. He's a great Bodhisattva in American history. And um, Bell Hooks, I wasn't so aware of until I read her obituary, because she died recently, I think something like December 15th last year. And I was just so impressed with her that I started to study her and I learned more about her. I'll talk more about both of them. And um, so inspiration is a really important word. I mean, you might've heard me use it uh, because we inspire when we breathe in, it's called inspiration. And it's a verb also to inspire and it, it's somewhat, it. To inspire someone, when one is inspired, is to um, fill them with an urge or the ability to do or feel something, especially to do something positive. It's it, it's a positive thing to be inspired, and I like being inspired by people or things or acts or or uh, intelligence or creativity or kindness or beauty, and. Um, and inspire means to create uh, a feeling, especially a positive one in the person, but also to animate someone with uh, that kind of feeling. Like the example is one uh, somebody inspired their students with a vision of freedom. And so both of these people, both Martin Luther King Jr. and Bell Hooks inspired me with their vision of freedom and of truth and of deep Uh, what I call Dharma understanding of the world, even though they weren't so much involved in Buddha Dharma. But they were both impacted by it, which I'll say more about. And to inspire, as I said, means to breathe and to inhale. And the original word comes from inspirer, from the middle English, in the sense of really divine guidance to breathe in is to breathe in divine guidance. And then from the Latin is to breathe into uh, the breath. And the word was originally used um, to speak of divine or a supernatural being in the sense to impart a truth or idea to someone. And so it's a beautiful word. And, it's, and I please reflect on when you've been inspired by someone, anyone, anywhere and really to remember what it's like to be inspired or what it felt like to be inspired by somebody or something or some piece of music or some movie or some work of art or 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 some meditation you have sometimes can be very inspiring there's some insight that we realize the truth is very inspiring And so Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was very inspiring in his life and that he faced and responded actively with such a great heart of love uh, and a kind of devotion to the truth and to living it in a way that changed the world, right? And if you don't know that much about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I'm just going to say a few things. He was a he was he lived from 1929 to 1968. Was a Baptist minister, an activist, a humanitarian, and uh, a leader of the civil rights movement. When I was growing up, so I remember him quite vividly, vividly, and I remember the civil rights movement quite vividly. And he, his, his way of advancing civil rights was uh, kind of uh, uh, civil disobedience, what he called militant nonviolence. Militant nonviolence. I love the phrase that he used. That's what he was doing, militant nonviolence. And it was really based on his spirituality and his Christian beliefs injustice and the truth and and the ultimate goodness of people, right? And so he did things like in 1955, led a very famous bus boycott in uh, Montgomery, Alabama. And of course, he's well known for the March on Washington in 1963, where he gave a very famous speech that was totally... um, infused with inspiration, the I have a dream speech. And really you could see his his spirituality, the fact that he was a minister was really what he was conveying, at least to me, was the, the word of God in this. And by God, I mean the word of goodness, the word of truth, the word of the divine, right? And that I have a dream. He could see what was needed and what was important. And for his good works in the face of incredible ignorance and hatred and violence, he, you know, continued, he won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964, and then he, but he didn't stop with just race he continued and he expanded his focus a lot to include poverty. And uh, he started to speak out against the Vietnam War, which I was also against at that point in my life. And, uh, and, and then he was assassinated in, in 1969, I believe it was, 68. And which I remember the, what a big, you know, it was just horrific. He just got shot down and of course there were riots where I lived in Detroit after that and riots in many places in the US. He was 39 when he was assassinated and he'd already been working for almost 20 years on the civil rights movement. And I just say that because for me, it's so impressive at how young he was and even how young he was when he was murdered. Right? He was just, he was a young man still in my, from where I'm sitting, right? And of course, Martin Luther King Day as a holiday came out of his assassination and in, first in cities, in 1971, but then in the whole country by 1986. And two of his biggest people who influenced him, the people who inspired him, were Abraham Lincoln and Mahatma Gandhi. And those are the people he named as great inspirations, both Abraham Lincoln for freeing the slaves at that time. And then of course, Mahatma Gandhi who freed a whole country uh, with, non, uh, with militant uh, uh, nonviolence. And um, yeah, and so, and, and, you know, as I was preparing for this, I also, I watched a movie that I would really um, recommend if any of you are interested in learning more. It's a beautiful documentary about Martin Luther King Jr. called I Am I am MLK Jr. I Am MLK Jr. I think it's made in 2018 or something. And it's on, I think, I don't know where we saw it. it might have been Netflix, but I'm, I'm not sure. But it, it was very powerful to learn more about him and more detail. Because I was inspired by his spirituality when he was, uh, at some point, when because there were many different actions he was taking and many different collectives that he was working with of other people. Like he, he didn't do this alone, he wasn't trying to do it alone, but he became the person in the foreground because of his, uh, his goodness and his articulation and his dedicated dedication and because of his spirituality. And I was inspired by his spirituality. I learned something in the movie I didn't know about. Um, at some point, he they were trying to figure out how to help uh, integrate Birmingham, Alabama, which was at that point a very very difficult place to be, uh, if you were uh, black, and or if you were white and you were trying to integrate with black people. And so, um, and I remember the 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 director of, I think it was called public health in Birmingham was a man called Bull Connor, B-U-L-L, Bull Connor. And I remember back when I was a kid, like, oh, he was a bad man. I mean, seriously bad man. And, And so they were trying to do this march, just two people marching side by side through the town to protest. And he said he wouldn't let it happen. And they were trying to decide, should we do this or not? And so what Martin Luther King did in order to understand what was the right thing is he prayed. He he left even the group that he was working with. He went into his own room and prayed for 45 minutes. And, you know, and he just prayed to understand what's the truth and what's needed and what would really support the freedom that he was seeking for himself and other people. And he came back and he said, we're going to march. And so Bull Connor was so angry about the marching. And and what one of the skillful things they did was they had um, a lot of young people had joined the movement. So there were a lot of teenagers with them And, and Bull Connor realized he couldn't arrest all of them. There were too many people. And so what he did was have the police And the fire people turned fire hoses on, the people marching, which you can see the films of. And and then he also had attack dogs going at the people. And this was all being uh, filmed and put on the news at night. And people hadn't seen this kind of viciousness before, live. And and it it changed the country because people kept saying, oh, this can't be our country doing this because you would see this in other countries that had dictators and things like that. And uh, it's very, very powerful to see it again. I remember seeing it as a kid and you couldn't believe what you were seeing because it was so horrific what, what happened. And one of the things somebody in the movie said, uh, uh, called Martin Luther King Jr., the final founder of American democracy. The final founder of American democracy. Because there were a number of people who are considered the founders of American democracy, whether it's George Washington or the early people who did the revolution. But, but they didn't get the full democracy. It wasn't for everybody yet. It wasn't for black people, that's for sure, at the beginning of the American so-called democracy and you know, the 17, whenever it was, 1775 or whenever we rebelled against English oppression, right? And so um, so I just found his his trusting of his spirituality inspiring. I was inspired by the depth of his vision and understanding and devotion to the truth. And remember, dharma means truth. And of course, we're all devoted to the dharma because it's what frees us and it, what will liberate us. And, and his, he said so many things that were so dharmic to my ear, to my understanding. One of the quotes he says is all life is interrelated. Somehow we're caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny, right? We're caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. For some strange reason, I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. And you could never be what you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. This is the interrelated structure of reality. And so he's pointing at a deep vision of what's true. He's not just seeing, oh, we're all individuals, but he's seeing, oh, we all impact one another for better or for worse. And it's why our actions are so important. It's not just about us being happy, but it's about everybody being happy ultimately. And he kept looking at the big picture, which I thought was so important when he looked at dukkha, when he looked at suffering, because there were a number of uh, martyred children in 1963 who had been killed and he said we must not be concerned we must be concerned not merely about who murdered them but about the system the way of life the philosophy that produced the murderers right i hope that's clear what he said right we must be concerned not merely about who murdered them but about the system the way of life the philosophy that produced the murderers And so he's pointing at the causes and conditions of what caused these children to be murdered, the bigger picture. And he always kept his heart open to really consider how do we help everybody, right? How do we take care of everybody? And he said, life's most persistent and urgent question is what are you doing for others? What are you doing for others? And and remember, and I'm gonna speak, because that's such a Buddhist idea that we're, part of being a bodhisattva is really, we wanna save all beings. And of course, saving all beings means saving oneself and everyone else. It's not just, oh, we just take care of everybody else. We need to take care of ourselves and we need to take care of what can we do for others also. And he he very much understood the power of love, the power of love. And I, I just so appreciate that. Sometimes I think I'm a love bunny these days. And, it's not exactly my ego ideal to think of myself that way, but I'm I'm giving up to it a little bit. It just seems like the love is so important and it's it's so beautiful and it's so good, right? To love, you know, I love the park. I love going out for a walk. I love all seeing all the people playing in the park. And I love that. Jay, for you who are, those of you who are in San Francisco, John F. Kennedy in the park, right, has no traffic on it for the whole pandemic. And so people are on their bikes and strollers and rollerblading and roller skating and dancing and walking and, and doing nothing. And there. They're, it's just so beautiful to see the uh, love of Uh, joy that is in the park and that we're part of and we get to share. And so he said, Martin Luther King said, darkness cannot be driven out by darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And it's such a profound statement and such a Buddhist statement, what he was saying, and here, here, here the, here's what the Buddha said, so you can hear the difference, or the similarity is a better way to say it, between the two, between Martin Luther King Jr. and the Buddha. Martin Luther King says, "Darkness cannot be driven out by darkness; only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate; only love can do that." And the Buddha said, "Hatred does not cease by hatred, but only by love. This is an ancient and eternal law." Right, hatred only vanishes by love. This is an ancient and eternal love. And so you hear the depth of Dharma that Martin Luther King embodied in his goodness and in his through his Christianity and his spirituality and being himself all the way to the end. He also said, he said, love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. And we should all remember this, all of us, really. This such a it's just profound dharma. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. And of course, we we think of it in Buddhism as, as loving kindness, right? And we send loving kindness even to our enemies, even to people we don't like, even to people who we're uncomfortable with. And I have to say, I've said this before, it was I think the hardest thing uh, that that I taught when I was teaching a lot about politics and back when we had a different president People were so not happy with me when I said, we have to give a lot of loving kindness to Donald Trump because a lot of people here didn't like Donald Trump and weren't happy about Donald Trump. And yet he needed the love. And that's how we transfer, transform an enemy into a friend is through love, which Martin Luther King understood. And it's also how we transform ourselves is through love, which the Buddha said. The Buddha said, we must train ourselves in this way by liberation of the self through love. He said, we will develop love. We will practice it. We will make it both a way and a basis. We will take our stand upon it. We will store it up and thoroughly set it going a beautiful understanding of love and the power of love that Dr. Martin Luther King was totally woven with that kind of love. And he said a very interesting thing the night before he died, the night before he was assassinated, he spoke at a temple in Memphis, Tennessee with a large gathering of people because they were, they were working to get better wages for the sanitary workers and better working com- conditions. And he said, we've got some difficult days ahead. Like anybody, I would love to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I am not, I am not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. I just want to do God's will, and God allowed me to go up to the mountain, and I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. That's a very deep, powerful farewell, even though he didn't know he was giving a farewell. He didn't know he would be assassinated the next day. But he's saying something about how his spirituality had matured over time, and that he'd seen the truth. He'd been to what he called the promised land. So I'm looking at the time. Trying to think, how much do I have here? Well, let's give it a try and see what happens. So I'm going to just say less about Bill Hooks just because of time. Uh, uh, and Bill Hooks, I didn't, I wasn't so aware of Bill Hooks. I kind of knew the name, that's all. But I didn't know who she was until she died last December. And, and she decided, I think, on the 12th of December. And she was uh, really... Uh, quite a path-breaking black woman feminist. And she died at 69. And uh, when she, 40 years earlier, 29, she wrote a book called Ain't I a Woman? And, um, and it was about black women and feminism. And it really changed the shape of, fem- of the feminist movement. Maybe I better to say it changed the shape, it changed the color, it changed the depth of understanding in the feminist movement itself. And she argued that the uh, feminism's claim to speak for all women had had pushed aside the unique experiences of both working class and black women and put, put it to the margins. And so she, she was not happy with that and she spoke up as a young woman, 29, and it made a big impact on the world and on our world ever since then, right? And she said womanhood could not be reduced to a singular experience in terms of being white or being a middle class, right? And she said that that feminism had to be considered within a framework that included both race and class and recognized the inequalities among women in order to create a more inclusive movement and she and she applied the same critique and standard to black anti-racism and she um, she she criticized black anti-racism, which she said was often grounded in patriarchal worldview that excluded the experiences of black women. And 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 she wrote another book later uh, called "We Real Cool: Black Men and Masculinity." And she wasn't attacking black men, but she was. Uh, pointing at the kind of causes and conditions that had resulted in their um, patriarchal leadership that uh, had resulted from centuries of oppression and the exclusion of black men in many domains of American life. And she, she had this great, and she's, very, she's so intelligent. I have seen, since, both read a bunch of things by her and watched a really wild video of her uh, with a couple other people. I can't remember their names. Shoot. If they come to me, I'll tell you. But And she's just so smart and intelligent and clear. And uh, she's a no bullshit person and very real. And of course, just intellectually at a supreme order, really. And she, she was worked in the education system her whole life. It was a teacher, and but she argued against the American system of education. She said it was, it was uh, designed to, to quell dissent and shape young people into productive workers. And, and, that, and so she pushed teachers and herself to uh, go against the grain by showing students how to use knowledge to resist, how to use their intelligence to resist being put in a box or being categorized. Right, and She did it in her classes, and she really wanted her students to see critical thinking and reading as liberating acts. And her name, Bell Hooks. If you've seen her name, it's all in it's. There's no capitals for the B or the H. It's all uh, you know, lowercase letters. And uh, and she was born in 1952, and and uh, she wrote "Ain't I a Woman?" When she was young, she borrowed the title from a speech by the Black abolitionist Sojourner Truth, right? And she took her her pen name, Bell Hooks, um, from her uh, maternal great-grandmother, which to who she was compared with. And she taught at Yale, at Oberlin. I actually performed at Oberlin once, City College of New York. I performed at also, that's another story, but she taught at Yale, Oberlin, City College, and then returned to her home in Kentucky in uh, 2004 to teach at, uh, 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 Berea College, and she wrote 30 books that included literary criticism, children's fiction, self-help, memoir, and poetry. Hmm. And in her later work, Uh, Bill Hooks emphasized the importance of community and of healing as end goals of movements like feminism and anti-racism. She described herself as a Buddhist Christian and she had a good friendship with Thich Nhat Hanh, the great Vietnamese monk Bodhisattva, right? And and she insisted that love was the only way to overcome what she called imperialist, white supremacy, capitalist patriarchy. That's That's a powerful statement, I gotta say it again. I just love what she said. She called it imperialist, white supremacy, capitalist patriarchy. Like she just pointed at the structures that we live with that mostly we're not even aware of, right? Or we just, we we don't even realize the boxes we're in because they're so thoroughly constructed, whether it's patriarchy or capitalism or or imperialism or or white supremacy, right? And slowly, 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 we're starting to break out of the box. She said in, in an interview in the New York Times. She said, "I believe wholeheartedly that the only way out of domination is love. The only way out of domination is love. Hmm. That the only she's I'm quoting her now. The only way." It, into really being able to connect with others and to know how to be is to be participating in every aspect of your life as a sacrament of love. So there are a few thoughts about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Bell Hooks. And of course, I like to hear from you, your thoughts your opinion, what does this make sense to you, what I've been saying, how did how did Martin Luther King Jr. impact you or how has Bell Hooks impacted you? I've been really surprised as I've talked to a friend um, about who's, who knows who goes, oh, Bell Hooks, she's just amazing. Because I didn't really know that until just in the last month or so, not even, really, since she died. Yeah, I guess it's about a month now. So, and please raise your hand if you would like to speak. I think you, if you go to the reactions button, and then there's a raised hand button above, if you open the reactions button. And if you don't know how to use it, you can raise your hand. I think I can see almost everybody. Okay, there we go. Amy. Can you hear me? I can't. Hold on. I'm going to switch to speaker view so I can see you better. So speak up, please.
1: Oh, so I, um, I just want to say a few things. If you offer please. an inspiration or bell hooks class, I'm definitely interested.
0: Uh, okay,
1: and I'm super appreciative of the fact that you brought her up and also brought her up at the same time as Martin Luther King, because if we talk about um militant nonviolence, or you know, how you know when people talk about Martin Luther King, they're really clear on his stand on love. But bell hooks is also such a, a reminder of Martin Luther King's you know, militant nonviolence as a form of tough love, you know, because mm-hmm. if we're talking about dharma or we're talking about truth. You know, it's coming from a place of love, but sometimes it's hard to hear the truth.
0: Right. Yeah, you know? Definitely. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's, that...
1: it's, it's, not, it's not a place people usually want to go. Right. So, in order for you to, out of out of just, um, you know, fearless love for for someone to to take. Us there as a collective, it's coming out of place for. It's coming from a place of love, but it's definitely tough love. And I know a lot of people like to kind of sweep that under the rug for you know Martin Luther King, but it's not. It's really at the forefront. And as you said, I mean, militant nonviolence. That I mean, it couldn't be said any better.
0: Yeah, know? no, it's it's a beautiful phrase, and it's great that you're bringing the more street version of tough love right in the room because, and and she is tough, Bell Hooks. She is no bullshit. And it's just so clear, like boom, like that's just not true. Boom. and and she's not hurtful with it, right? But but she's also very clear, and she's tough. And there's definitely a place for tough love. and it's not, and it's, uh, yeah, it's not tough love is not mean, mm-hmm. right? It's It's love, but it's love that is just no bullshit. And it's yeah, direct. it's totally direct. Yeah, and we need yes. to be direct, especially given the structures of the boxes we've been put in over the yeah. last, you know, many centuries.
1: And also I think that's crucial for waking up.
0: In what way?
1: In that, um, for example, if you think of something like smelling salt, or sometimes when somebody is like, you uh-huh. know, almost, almost drowned and they're out of it and you have to like slap them to bring, or like, you know, uh-huh. in the hospital where they're like on your chest trying to bring yeah, you back. Yeah. It's yeah. it's not, it's not, it's not gentle. Sometimes in order to bring right. something back, it's like a, a clap or right. a bell. Like sometimes I'll put a bell throughout my day to yeah. sort of like zap me out of where my mind might be. Right. Yeah. So,
0: that's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, well, I used to swim in the bay and it was very cold. When you jump in, it's tough love. and <laughs> But it but it's so good yeah. for you. It wakes you up. And yeah, yeah, so great. Thank you. And where are you? I like to ask where people uh, I'm are. I'm
1: in the Napa Valley. I'm in Yountville, Napa
0: Valley. Great, great. Glad you're here. Okay, okay. thank you. Okay, who else? Jim? you're up jim thank you thank you eugene can you hear me i can hear you and see you both
2: okay i wanted to try to make my hand whiter. it's kind of yellow but i couldn't figure out how to do that and i was very happy that amy went because i did not want to be a middle-class old white dude as the again the first person you know to put his hand up the first person to to talk um my brother had had read that uh a will to change and he said he's also another middle class old white dude and he said it was transformative one of the most important books that he's read so it's been on my bucket list but i kind of wanted to say to you because this week i'm going back I'm going back to Europe so I'll be on the wrong time zone in order to be able to participate in your in your sessions Eugene and I just wanted to put a shout out to you I, you know, I've consider, considered you for 15 years, really kind of my main teacher. You didn't know it, but I did. And I really enjoy coming back to San Francisco and being able to do this in part, because you talk about Martin Luther King and you talk about bell hooks. You talk about these people that I couldn't make, I mean, Martin Luther King, I would have known about, but bell hooks, I may never have known about. And I would have not have known about all the, you know, the Buddhist um insight for instance that martin luther king had um, and i just appreciate your willingness to to come you know to reach out from just the narrow kind of buddhist doctrine that we might get <clears throat> in whatever lineage lineage and um yeah and when you talk when you quoted martin luther king at times i mean my heart just shook i wanted to cry i mean i do yeah. the guy yeah he he apparently for whatever reason his causes and conditions he was able to see a lot of stuff that i only now at nearly 65 maybe i've got a glimpse that yes this we yeah. are all interconnected and yeah. the guy that has the tent that lives kidney corner from me he and i if i'm assuming it's a he I mean, he might have others in there with him but we are interconnected we are together we are part yeah. of the same family right. and i love that guy just as much as i love my own my own family and yeah. it's in part because of the of the practice i think i mean just
0: the dharma can will open your heart if you let it but it means similar to what amy said it means being real And it means really opening to the difficult truths as well as the beautiful truths. And really what we see is ultimately the difficult is also beautiful when we open to the truth either way. And uh, I'll just add right onto
2: that and then it'll be the last thing I'll I'll say. So it looks like I figured out what was wrong with my nose face. I have a damaged nerve. mm -hmm. And it's probably something that will not, know won't be able to repair it for this lifetime but it's exactly what you said if i'm able to be with this crazy electric you know energy in my face with this thing which i have during COVID two hours a day Mm -hmm. it just strengthens me or prepares me to be with anything it's like it's such a you know it's such a gift in a way even though i just hate it sometimes (laughs) Sometimes. (laughs) it's
0: true it's true when we really learn that we can be with whatever is here it's freeing
2: exactly
0: even and it doesn't mean we like whatever is here or we enjoy whatever is here but actually we can be with it and then we see there's something more than the phenomena of the experience there's what's aware of it there's who and what we are and that can be very, very free.
2: Well, thank you, Eugene. If you make it over to, to Spain uh, in the next several months, look me Gosh, up. I will be happy to. I would love
0: to go anywhere. Nice to stay, but... A place to stay, a
2: place to teach. We got <laughs> it all.
0: Thank you. Okay, thank you, safe travels. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Who else? And please don't don't think you have to be you If you're new here it's fine if you want to say something or I mean it's nice to hear from people who've spoken before, but I always like to hear from new people or people who don't speak very often. Any thoughts, feelings, questions, reactions. Lori, do you always have something to say go ahead <laughs> Lloyd, you got to unmute. I mean, you could talk without unmuting, but I did that for a while. It doesn't work so well. Unmute. There you go. Okay. Just uh, wait. Uh, Yeah. There you go. Now you're there. Okay. Go ahead.
3: So, so. Anyway, like you said, when we used to ride bicycles together, and I said, Eugene, My bicycle's making a lot of noise, and you said, "Lloyd, whenever I ride with you, there's a lot of noise." So I'm make some noise. Um, you know, talking about Martin Luther King, I, I just remember growing up
0: uh-huh.
3: in my home, and and Martin Luther King was revered by my parents, and and it seemed like by our community. And then, where where'd you grow up? I grew up in a in a suburb of Miami called Coconut Grove. Uh-huh. And, then I went to New York to go to the Merchant Marine Academy, and I was just surprised that that many, many, many people loathed Martin Luther King, and you know, yeah. it just I was, it, I just couldn't get my arms around how somebody who stood for peace and love and and it 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 well to this day I still don't understand it, but. It
0: was,
2: well, wait,
3: was wait, wait, a wait. What don't, what, what don't you understand? I didn't understand the hatred. I didn't understand right. how somebody who stood for peace and brotherhood and- Right.
0: I, I, I get that, but what? Do, why don't you, do you understand it now?
3: I know that it exists, but I- Right. I, yeah, I know that it exists.
0: Okay, so do you understand why it exists?
3: I have my theories, yeah. I, I guess everybody... Maybe, Pardon? Maybe everyone has their own reasons, but a lot of it, I think, is from racial prejudice.
0: Right, and right. And so all I'm pointing at is we want to keep looking at the causes and conditions because there was a time before there was race, And that change in America and the development of America is one of the things that changed it was they created race, the important thing that was made up, right? Because it wasn't wasn't alive in the same way in other countries or cultures. Now, I'm not saying there wasn't prejudice in different ways in other countries and cultures, because I know that there was. But, there, but just the concept of race really got reified and solidified in the United States of America and used in order in a capitalistic way so that poorer white people would feel better than somebody. and better meant better than, than people of color. And so it it was, uh, it was just a whole way of um, structuring the society, and and that had been, and then all of that, all of that created all the causes and conditions for people hating Martin Luther King, saying, "This is ridiculous. This is not fair. This is not democracy." Is really what he was saying. right?
3: I mean, yeah. growing up down there, and then I thought by going to this Merchant Marine Academy in New York, that yeah. by going to the north. In the northern part of the United States, that that I wouldn't run into that. That it was kind of a southern phenomenon, but obviously, yeah, it was universal.
0: Yeah, it's universal, and it's also you know, you never know how people are conditioned when and where, and it can be anywhere, anytime, any place, especially in these institutionalized racism that is part of the United States having the labor and um, slavery it needed to build itself.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah, and Happy, please unmute yourself and maybe show us your picture if you can. can I can hear you. Barely. i'm turning you up though it's okay i turned you up go ahead happy
4: is it better now
0: better yeah yeah i'm fine oh, okay uh, now I'm, now, I'm, now i'm hearing myself oh, as an echo right. yeah okay
4: That's how about I, let's see can you hear me better cuz i'm trying
0: to I can, I, I can hear you fine we're okay. good
4: okay great yeah well um oh by the way i'm i can't turn on my video because i got a concussion a couple weeks ago so my doctor told me not to look at a computer screen that's why i only do quality. okay but i would love to turn it on okay
0: well, well next time send us a picture and we'll just post the picture of you
4: got you
0: okay <laughs> <laughs> hi happy. happy how are you
4: i am doing okay i mean the concussion definitely is a it's a a, a toll on me but on yeah the topic of tonight of what is uh people that inspire me i just want to share that like um after joining this sangha i mean attending your meditation retreat maybe two years ago uh-huh. Getting to know about the Dharma is just been a very inspiring journey. Um, just I feel like teachers like you and Pam and Frank have just really inspired me because of how you guys share the Dharma. I'm just like, wow, my life is sometimes just easier when I uh-huh. look at it through the Dharma.
0: So I just yeah. really share it. Great. Thank you. I'm glad the Dharma is inspiring because, I mean, you know, we happen to be in these roles, Frank or me or Pam, but it's really the Dharma that is what's beautiful and what is inspiring for, for me too. Of course, I'm still inspired by the Dharma and by the goodness and the beauty and the uh, potential and the fierceness of the Dharma because it's not just one thing or another. It's, it's really like, it's the truth and the truth comes in many different forms and ways and levels. And, and it, as is said in Christianity, the truth will set you free. And so I'm glad you're, you're benefiting from the Dharma happy. And I hope you're, you're, you recover very quickly from the concussion.
4: I was actually having a hard time, but I think in your last class when you talk about not holding on to things. Uh-huh. Because um, I was holding on to certain expectations about
0: yeah. my health. Right.
4: So, yeah.
0: Great. That's really uh, sorry, I'm hearing myself again. It was fine for a while, but it really it's one of the things that I learned in my um uh uh, accident, you know, where I had uh, brain injury and concussion and all that stuff. And um, it's it, and the the key thing in my recovery was to not know what was going to happen and not expect something to happen, but just to see really day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, what's here and work with that, because really it's always, the moment is workable. The moment is workable. The, the, the day may not be workable. The week may not be, but the moment is workable. And so don't go too far forward. Stay right where you are. And let's keep getting better moment by moment. Yeah, thank you. That's uh, okay, happy. Yeah, see you soon. Mima, hi.
5: Hi, Eugene. It's good to see you. Yeah,
0: yeah. good to see you. Hi.
5: Hi. Um, I have a question kind of off the topic that um, I really I really want to ask, but I'm not even sure how to ask it because I don't have like the sense of it completely. Um, I've been on the path for about this month will be one year, but I'm kind of st- not sure because i don't have the vocabulary for for the path quite yet
0: yeah go ahead just say it in your own language
5: okay so i'm okay mindfulness what what i'm trying to understand is if i'm being mindful in the moment right and then the mind wanders off right um there's something there where i'm kind of stumbling like what what happened to awareness like um i see okay so like yeah yeah,
0: slow down you're doing fine
2: you're doing fine like
5: if i look at the lamp and i just look at the lamp it's just the lamp but if i bring awareness into it it changes like there's this spaciousness
0: okay okay slow down slow down so when you're looking at the lamp and you're just looking at the lamp it's just the lamp there's already awareness there right
5: Mm, uh, i don't know you, I'm to you, wait, you,
0: wait, wait you may not be mindful of it
5: oh there you go
0: right but it's awareness because if you're if there's not awareness you wouldn't be aware of anything okay so here and this is just a little game i play so relax about this but stop being aware
5: <laughs> okay you can't not really right
0: so that 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 tells you something. If you ever want to become aware of awareness itself, try to stop being aware. And you see the awareness is here on its own. We don't do awareness. Okay. So and, but what we do do is we use our skill and our intelligence to be aware of awareness or to be mindful of the lamp and that starts to open up something for you when you're mindful of the lamp
5: yes so then when it okay so then then when it when it goes away like i'm the mind goes somewhere else then what happens to awareness that we have to bring the mind back that right there is- the, the, awareness,
0: the awareness is always here if okay. you if you if anything if you're having any experience and you know you're having an experience awareness is here you may not be mindful of the uh, of the experience and that's different
5: so that would be the purpose in bringing it back to the moment
0: is to be mindful of what's actually here in this moment
5: oh okay it's um, i'm almost getting it so that means that when it's i'm not okay awareness is always there and i can see them what the mind is doing but i want to work to bring it back because i'm either in the past or the future right
0: we we get enchanted with our thoughts or our feelings or something or our reactions or what we like or want. And so so you're seeing the whole Buddhist teaching, there's desire and aversion, right? Oh, I want, oh, that's so good. I just saw, oh, what a great movie, that's so great. And then we're not here in some, we're not aware that we're thinking or we're feeling something, right? We enjoyed the movie, oh, we're excited. Like I was here, I'll give you an example. I was, uh, I taped the football game. I don't want to know who won, but I taped it and I watched some of it and I was really excited. And I didn't want to watch too much of it before I taught in case the 49ers were really bad and then I'd be in a bad mood. But but I got excited because they were doing pretty good when I, the part I watched. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, um and so when I came in here and then sat, I was aware of the excitement. Uh, right. Yeah. And that, and that's, and as soon as you're aware of whatever is happening, you're here.
5: You're mindful.
0: Yeah, you're mindful. And mindful means you're here.
5: Oh, mindful means I'm here.
0: And that means that all kinds of good things happen.
5: So that means if I look at the lamp, but I'm thinking something else, right? I'm not being mindful. But if I'm, looking at the lamp and I'm being aware, like my mindful in the moment, then that's where, because I can feel this, something happens, something happens. It's different when I'm not being mindful to when I'm being mindful.
0: Yes. You can just make your practice, you could make your practice, just being aware through the day, when are you mindful and when aren't you mindful? Without any judgment about it, because you won't be mindful all the time. If you are, if you're mindful all the time that you, you come and teach next week, but, but, or you can be the Buddha, but, you know, but,
5: okay, okay. for clearing that up for me. I didn't understand it. Thank you.
0: Sure, Sure, You're welcome. Good to see you. And we'll end with that. It's a lovely way to end. And we'll do a little sharing of merit. I'm not here next week, Pamela Weiss is here next week. So she'll be teaching and uh, yeah. And let's offer our good wishes. May May our good fortune to be here together in this way that we are as a collective, as a community and to be able to be inspired by Bell Hooks and Martin Luther King, may that inspiration go out in every direction, in every realm, in every world, may all beings be inspired to wake up, to be free, to see the truth, to be no bullshit and and see what's really needed. May all beings be free.
3: Thank you.
0: Good to be with you, everybody. Really lovely to see you, and uh, I'll see you in a few weeks. Hey, Josh, I hope you're well. I hope it's not too cold in New York. <laughs> I heard, yeah, I heard it's cold. Okay, everybody. Great, Thank great you. to be Thanks with Jean. you. Thank, Thank you. I you, I love everyone. Thank you, Sonja. I'm going to Good the night. City
2: Center
4: Zen Center for two months.
0: Oh, nice. Wow. Oh, nice. It's
2: great. To have you. Thanks, you, Great. Bye.
0: Bye. 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 I love the wave. <laughs> yeah. uh,
2: and uh, on the 49er game, you did. J- no, I'm kidding. No, no, no. Don't okay, tell me okay. anything. Girl. Don't
0: tell me anything. I'm going to go watch the game now. <laughs> okay, everybody. Take good care. Stay healthy. Right. Bye. Bye.